This Montana Voice podcast is the start of a long story which I hope you enjoy. It's a story about greed, revenge, and peace. The words were handwritten in reporters' notebooks, and those notebooks have been sitting quietly for years. Absurd and Vast, Chapter 1. Explain it to me again, this time as an elevator pitch. Okay, how many floors, I asked. Eleven. That's a number I've always liked, my friend Murphy said. I was at Murphy's house. I had needed to think, so I had spent the last nine days driving slowly down to Montana from up in the Northwest Territories. I had driven through the Yukon and then British Columbia, about 3,000 miles, a lot of it on gravel roads, just to talk with Murphy. We had known each other 20 years, but it had been at least seven since we had seen each other. I had called him before I had left Inuvik, and he knew I was coming. When he answered the door, he said, It's been a while, and what's this idea you have that you couldn't talk to me about over the phone? Before I was able to answer, he said, Let's go out back and have a drink. We walked through his house, stopping in the kitchen to get two coffee mugs, some ice, and a bottle. You would never know from the house either outside or in, that Murthy is very wealthy. Wealth, Murphy had told me, is the point where your money on its own, and without you having to do any work at all, grows so fast that you just can ignore everyone's demand of any amount of your time. Time, Murphy said is the precious one thing I wish I had more of. He had told me this the first time I met him. We were on its back deck then, too, looking out over his yard. His yard sits in the exact middle of a square mile, 640 acres of pasture and forest. It was land on the edge of Bozeman, Montana. Enough land, enough space, that almost no one gets any chance to waste any of Murphy's time. And now I had just spent an hour telling him about my plan, and he hadn't stopped me. Now he wants me to tell it again, and this time in 11 seconds. Just like when you and I first met, right? He nodded and said almost in a whisper, Yes. All right. The diamond industry is a scam with prices controlled and manipulated by public perception and a few cartels. I own a diamond mine in the Arctic, and I also have sources who will sell us any amount of raw African diamonds. We can appear to flood the market with high-quality diamonds at low cost. We'll lose money by doing so, 
but will get the attention of a cartel, and then they will buy our mind just to shut it down, and you and I will make a vast profit. Murphy kept staring at me, and then he said, that was way over 11 seconds, and it was more like 38. In your earlier long-winded explanation, you did not use any adjectives, but this time you used one. You said, vast. Okay, so you're the engineer and the number guy. Tell me what you consider to be vast. I looked at him for a moment before I answered. One billion. If this works, we will split one billion dollars. And the real elevator pitch is that you and I will then have scammed the world's biggest scammers. Murphy tilted his 85-year-old head back and just laughed, and the laugh rolled out over his pastures and forests, and I expected flocks of birds to take off from the distant trees. Then he said, Oh my! And I thought he would start making small talk and change the subject. But instead, he poured both of us more vodka, not bothering with any ice this time, and then he took a deep breath and said, Now that's the pitch which you should have started with. Let's drink to absurd plans and the word vast, which are two things I have always been interested in. So keep talking. The last time I listened to you, we both made out pretty well, and I don't think you described that idea as vast. Then he said, Before we start really figuring out if I'm going to even consider this absurdity, let me ask you pointedly two things. First, why me? Why come to me? And also, if I decide to invest, what'll you put in? I said, I'll put in the mine and my two drilling rigs, each on their own barges. Together, that's worth a few million. And the monthly payroll is about 50000 And I'll keep paying that, too. I'll keep the mine running, just as it has been. And I'll try to match whatever you might decide to put in. Because we're going to need a lot of raw diamonds to even have a chance to make this work. And we'll also need to spend a ton on internet marketing. Social media seems to get the cartel's attention. Murphy scowled then, and I said, don't worry, I'll take care of the internet stuff. And then I said, you know, I don't really need your money, but I know I cannot do this without your help. I need your old man, Hermit Smarts, to keep me from making the big mistakes, and I need a friend to talk with. Murphy smiled. And then he said, When you and I met, you did not even own a car. If I remember correctly, my brother had to drive you over from Missoula to meet me. Isn't that right? I nodded, yeah. Well, you've got yourself a pickup now, Murphy said, smiling and drinking more vodka. I nodded again, and then I said, <laughs> yeah, well, I'm also able to now say, go fuck yourself to just about anyone, but 
unlike you, I have never said that to anyone, and I hope I never will even want to. He laughed, and this time louder than before, and this time I actually did see birds take off from a nearby tree. I would have liked it if the birds had been raptors, but they were crows. Holding the empty mug against my face, I remembered then that crows are one of the triads of tricksters. Crows, ravens, coyotes, that my friend Tokolo in Inuit had been teaching me about. And Murphy, with his few wisps of long gray hair and his thin, pointed face, had always reminded me of a coyote. Murphy reached over and poured vodka into my coffee mug, filling it about halfway. He saw my concerned look and said, I've always thought of strong drink as truth serum. And then there's the guest cabin right there. And he gestured with the bottle towards what looked like a derelict miner shack. It's really quite cozy and clean. An ex-wife was the last one who used it. He paused for a long time stared at the cabin, and then suddenly shook his head and said, another pointed question, because knowing you, you have thought this all through. What will happen if, instead of splitting a billion dollars, things don't quite work out? I drank the half mug of vodka in two big gulps. Stoli, Russian industrial with that hint of benzene. I felt the burn of it, the narcotic-like buzz that I get when I haven't been drinking in a while. I carefully put the coffee mug on the deck's handrail, and I looked at Murphy, and I said, If this doesn't work, we will both probably be killed. Absurd, he said. But let's just keep focused on the fast part. Okay, so tell me about the geology of this Arctic Kimberlite pipe of yours. It's under a lake, right? How the fuck did you find such a thing? And explain to me how diamond prices are manipulated. And who are these sources of yours with raw diamonds? Hell, let's go inside and heat up some cans of something. I think we could both use a meal. Then we have a lot to talk about and I insist on watching you drink as much as you possibly can. When I was your age, I could drink most of a bottle. You should have heard my truth then. It was fast. You just listened to the first chapter of Absurd and Vast, a Montana Voice podcast. To hear more of the story, please encourage me by giving an honest rating of Montana Voice in iTunes or by sharing this podcast on social media. If you are out there listening, I will keep reading from the notebooks. Montana Voice is written, produced, and copyrighted by Steve Saroff. The music for this episode was by me and Mandela Van Eden. <laughs>